0: Hi, this is Lynette Nylander, host of NTS Radio's new podcast, Sounds and Style. Each week, I'll be chatting with some of culture's most influential figures, exploring how music and style links what we wear with who we are. Expect deep cuts into musical genres and fashion subcultures as my guests and I look at how the music they love has informed the work they make today. This season, I've been chatting with Lily Allen, Martine Rose, Mel Ottenberg,
1: and many more. New episodes drop every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Digging with Flow. This week we're joined by a Turner Prize winning artist. Born in Birkenhead on the Wirral, he moved to London in the 1980s to go to art school and pursue his dreams of being a punk rock star. His artwork often encompasses themes of nostalgia and cultural identity, usually expressed
2: through music. The music that's coming out of like SoundCloud or all the rest of it is just so fucking strange and wonderful and bizarre. (laughs) I I get very excited about that. What I like about music or like about pop music is when you take the form, when you take the structure of it and you fuck about with it and you break it. You break the pattern and that's that's what's always thrilled me. Perhaps
0: his best known piece, a film called Fiorici Made Me Hardcore, includes clips of Northern soul dancers alongside Hacienda-esque rave scenes. Another work was a life-size reconstruction of the motorway bridge that links Liverpool with the Wirral. Work like this has often resonated with me as someone who grew up in the suburbs and who also has a fondness for nostalgia. I also really wanted to talk to him about his new adventure, his own sort of art school, the Music and Video Lab. He's an inspirational man with a great sense of humour, and despite having zero gardening experience, he joined me on the allotment for my favourite task of potato planting. He was also a trooper in the face of torrential rain, which you'll hear later in the show. This week, we're digging with Mark Leckie.
2: Welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Today we're planting potatoes. Fantastic. Fantastic. Have you ever done this before? I did, when
2: I was a kid. Multiple times? Erm, um, no. Once? Erm, um, I can't remember. I had, I had a sort of, not a flashback, but a sort of recall. When I saw the earth and the potatoes, I realised I'd done it before.
0: Was it a positive flashback or a, a horror?
2: Uh, yeah, well, I, yeah it, didn't, it didn't upset me.
0: OK, <laughs> but it didn't fill you with joy and excitement? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Maybe I was forced to, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a greater, you know, my family's Irish, or so maybe it's like...
0: Oh, an ancestral...
2: Maybe it's an ancestral thing with like, uh, potatoes.
0: I'm going to give you some gloves. Thank you. There's another pair here, if they are too small or too big, I can't remember right, which okay. one is big and which one's small. Um, and I will talk you through how to do it. We'll do right. it together. It's pretty simple. Unless you remember how to do it and you want to just have a stab at it. <clears throat>
2: No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I almost did.
0: Okay, let's, uh, let's get to it. So over here is the patch that we've uh, prepared for us. Okay. It's been turned and weeded and ready to go. And we've got 12 premier potatoes. Okay. They're uh, a, a blight resistant early crop potato. Okay. Particularly delicious, I'd say. All right. And we're gonna do two rows of six potatoes here. So on this line, yeah. we're gonna dig small holes that will fill with a little bit of compost. Then we put the potato in, a bit more compost, and then we ridge it over, which is when you pull the earth either side to make a potato ridge that the potatoes grow in and, and multiply under the earth. Okay. But I'm trying to think about how best to do it. I think let's both do one. I'll start there and you can start there. Yeah. And then we'll sort of swap over. And then that way, if you're having any trouble, I can help you, but I shouldn't imagine you will.
2: So we're gonna have a line each.
0: A line each.
2: And I'm gonna Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah And then and then we'll get really busy. Yeah alright, we'll have a line each and yeah. then and then I'm gonna start by the um that pole. The stick.
0: So you're not a big gardener in your day-to-day life?
2: No, I've never done gardening in my life. Really? No, I No I'm,
0: desire to. And
2: Lizzie, you are married to says that. I don't notice, she's really into flowers and plants, and, and she says that I don't notice them. I don't notice if they're alive or they're dead.
0: Tell us a bit about what's a day in the life of Mark Lecky like at the moment, in 2023.
2: OK. At the moment, I am getting ready for a show in Margate. They asked me to commission emerging artists, I guess, to make a work, and, then, and I make a work as well.
0: Oh, right. In response to their
2: work? No, it's... We all, we all make work, to well, not together, but we all make work parallel. There's a couple of sound artists, but most of the others are making videos. A lot of it's come together actually through doing NTS. So, Klein, I'm hoping is in it, Ice Boy Violet, Ashley Holmes, there's another musician called Lucy Duncan, and the name of the show is In the Offing. But when you look out to sea, the offing is the part of the sea just before the horizon. It's when you're able to see things coming to shore. Ooh. So it's like the, the future is moving towards the present. So that's the name of the show, In The Offing.
0: And when you don't have a commission that you're sort of working towards, do you find yourself still making things regularly? Like, do you find that for you, making art or making collo- you know, audiovisual collages or music or whatever it is, is sort of a compulsion? Or is it something that sometimes you think sort of, you know, sod this, I don't want to do it?
2: <laughs> um... I think it's definitely a compulsion. I'm always looking for an opportunity, and maybe maybe an opportunity isn't meant to be particularly making a work. It might be something that's like, I don't know, uh, writing an essay for someone or something. Mm. If I'm not occupied with making work, then I I, I, I get into all sorts of difficulties. Mm. So like during lockdown pandemic, that that you know, I, I, I found. I wasn't making work then. And I found that difficult. Um, but then again, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna keep blowing smoke up NTS's arses, uh, and arses, arse? Can NTS on the collective <laughs> arse? Up the collective arse <laughs> Um Doing the show and making music and thinking about what I was doing, that that kind of, that stopped me just, I don't know, mm. whatever. Whatever, stop me from whatever, from the brink. Going bonkers. Going bonkers. Yeah, that's the best way to put mm. it. I guess. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a it's a need, and I do it does I do worry about not being able to do it for whatever reason. If if you know, if the world gets bored of me or whatever, or, or I fall out of fashion, it does that. I do think, how, what would I do then?
0: Mm.
2: So. I, do, I just carry on as I kind of I don't know I take as many of those opportunities as I can Um and just with the hope that I keep keep doing it keep doing it
0: yeah was that the same when you were younger making art or is that uh, no that when I was younger
2: I, I got very lost and I think that's what and art, art saved me from that and I guess that's what I'm still um, I guess that, that, that's still there's an anxiety about being mm. lost again. I mean I need a hobby.
0: Well, maybe you're <laughs> like, about to fall in love or something. Yeah.
2: I do need something outside of art because it's like cuz I I kind of you know I've I've sort of I've invested everything in it. Mm. Um
0: When you talk about art, do you think of art like uh, visual physical art in the same way as music like when you think about the compulsion to make or I don't know because I've I, I read somewhere that you went to art school to be in a band and that yeah. music was sort of your, your not your primary love but was one of the things that came first for you yeah I mean that's a hobby and an interest music or do you kind of think of them in the same breath
2: I do I think of work? them in the same I think of them the same mm. I mean the only thing that stops me from thinking myself as a musician is that I have no musical abilities. Um, I mean, I'm not tone deaf, but I'm tone um, ugly. (laughs) (laughs) I can't can't quite tell the difference between notes, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's even something on like TikTok or whatever. Mm. Whoever that person's kind of like intention and and investment in what they're doing is kind of powerful enough or, or creates enough energy, then that's what I think of as art. Within those terms, I think quite a lot of things are art. It's not, it's a, it's a kind of, it is an everyday thing. It's not, I mean, there's great art, which is something else yeah. <laughs> and it's, more, it's much rarer, I guess, but just in terms of like art as, an, as a kind of idea, as a kind of creative act, it's like, it's quite an everyday, I wouldn't say mundane because it's, it's transformative and powerful but it's, it's, you know, you can find it. <laughs> mm. If you go looking for it, it's there.
0: I can't remember where I read this or watched some, somewhere or of you saying it, but when you grow up somewhere like the Wirral or the suburbs where you're on the cusp of something and near it but not there, you notice things and you find beauty in lots of things, you know, a bus route, I think was the example you oh, right. used, yeah. or, like, I don't know, a, a good-looking building or, you know, suburban architecture or, or bridges and whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. romanticising... The mundane things of your life yeah. do, it's hard to pinpoint why what the link is between being slightly on the cusp of something and finding interest in that but it just made me think of it then when you said you can find beauty and transcendence right in lots of things around you i wonder if that's also partly because you've had this life growing up as an observer yeah it's a i think it's a great quality in a person it makes your life much more fun if
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's just enjoy the bus. I think that that proximity to something that has got that is you know radiating a a large energy, you know, and you're not within the field of that. You're on the you're you're on the outskirts. You're on the outside of that field, but you're you're feeling the kind of like you know the waves, the energy waves, and um, in a in an obvious way, you're not taking it for granted. You're not making the assumption this is just the way the world is, Mm. because you kind of know, you know, you look in the other direction and you know that those things don't happen outside of the city. Mm. But I think, I don't know, if you grow up in the city, maybe you just assume that's like, that's like my daughter just thinks London is the world, you know what I mean? It's like that all places are like that. Mm. You're like, it's not.
0: Do you feel like you'll stay in
2: London? Sometimes I feel I'm trapped in London.
0: (laughs) I I know what you
2: mean. (laughs) uh, Where else would I go now? Where else would you go, exactly?
0: Would you say it's home
2: now? Yeah, I mean, I've been here 30 years. Yeah,
0: and you've got kids and stuff. I've got
2: kids. I think if I didn't have the kids, I don't know if I'd be here still.
0: Do you think you'd be back on the world, or do you think you'd be somewhere
2: else? I had a fantasy about... Me and Lizzie had a fantasy about living in L.A., there's a couple of friends that uh, English, they're living out in Eagle Rock or whatever, and they've got a swimming pool, and it all seems like, ah, oh, God, that's the life we wanted. And then he told me that they have to keep an axe by their door now, because of the fires. Fucking hell. They have to be ready to go, you know what I mean? It's mm. just like, and you're just like, ah. Fuck that. that <laughs> I don't, <I> don't <laughs> want to live with an axe next to the door, <laughs> you know. So I don't know, no. Have you ever lived anywhere else? I lived in America for a bit. I lived in San Francisco, Las Vegas. I lived in Las Vegas for a bit. What was that like? Horrible. Horrible. That place is the arsehole of the world, man.
0: Why were you there? It's like living
2: in hell. (laughs) (laughs) When I go to hell, it'll be exactly, we're like Caesar's Palace. I know that's what it looks like. It's it's a horrible place. It's like, it's so desperate and... uh,
0: How long were you there for?
2: two days. No, (laughs) (laughs) uh, that's six months. I was living in San Francisco and I met this guy who was like, whenever I see Elon Musk, he, he reminds me of this guy, he's called John. And he was like super bright, like, you know, he's a geek basically. And he said, I'm thinking of going to Vegas and doing the websites for all the casinos. And I was doing graph. I was sort of doing, trying to learn web design at that or, or graphics anyway. How old are you at this point? Oh, I'm so, I'm, quite, I'm not young. Okay. I'm like thir- early 30s, I guess. Oh, yes. yeah, that's early you. 30s. Okay. So, and I was just, you know, all I was doing is, Sa- I, was, I was cooking in San Francisco, I was a line cook. So it wasn't like, I didn't have anything there, so I was like, yeah, fuck, let's go. So I went with him and his brother, his brother was a deadhead. Sick. He was about six foot eight and he was a he was a like this massive deadhead and his brother was massive as well. And we got there and went to the casinos and it's like, you know, it's a it's not a mafia town anymore but it's a it's a gangster town. You can't you can't go up and knock on the doors of casinos and say, can I do your website? <laughs> um, <laughs> And he bought a house, and they put it in this—they call it escrow, don't they, over there? Is it escrow? I don't—I never found out what that meant. It's always on. um, Yeah, Housewives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we were in escrow. Escrow, to me, means limbo, (laughs) because we were basically fucking stuck there. So we were stuck in this hotel room. There was me, and these two brothers, who, like I say, were both about six eight, sleeping in a hotel room together for six months.
0: Fucking hell.
2: And they didn't—they didn't drink. They didn't like going out. So I'd just go out and walk around the casinos every night, getting free, you know,
0: yeah, free get your free, your free
2: cocktail, which has got nothing in it. So you can't even get drunk on it. And that, yeah, that was it. Six months of doing that. What a time! <laughs> it, was, it was really, um, yeah, it was, it was bad. And then I met someone in Vegas and we got married for a green card, and that got me to New York, that got me out. Amazing. Yeah. And
0: then did you stay in New York
2: for and a And then I stayed in New York, which I loved. So I got to, I got to New York and this marriage didn't go well, <laughs> as those kind of marriages tend to do. You know, basically she kicked me out and I was like, I was stuck in New York on my own, didn't really know anyone. And the only, the only person I did know who lived in New York was this fashion designer called Lucy. And I went to stay with her and she was married to Gavin Brown, who was just starting his gallery. Oh wow. And they had two kids. Me and Gavin just became friends. I just I wasn't looking to make art. And he set up a gallery. I just ligged around with, with them for like two years. But it was like like so much yeah it was good good times. Wow. And then and then that's how I kinda of got into making art.
0: Wow. God it is sometimes right place, right time.
2: Oh so it's ridiculous. It's yeah. ridiculous. It is it luck. Is. I mean, it's, it's always hard to say to someone younger when they ask about these things and you're like, fuck, you know, I just got lucky. But before that, I was quite unlucky. Mm. I was in London for, like, four years and it was, like... I just, it was very lonely and didn't get any work. Mm. Um, it sucked. That's, mm. why, that's how I ended up leaving. I was just... Nothing, nothing good happened to me when I was in London. In, and then I went to America... And then my luck changed, basically. Wow. That's, that's why I I don't know.
0: I suppose it is luck, but also, you said yes to things.
2: I said yes to things, but also, I always liked clothes, and I used to, I basically used to dress up, and so.
0: People notice you. Well they had to. Yeah. That's quite good advice. <laughs>
2: they had they had no choice. A good look will carry you a long way, you know what I mean? What kind of things were you wearing? My, my accent sounds bad if I say look and look. I mean look L-O L D O K. Yeah. Or a Luke, right? A Luke. A Luke, L-E-W-K. Oh, I had loads of mad things I used to wear. I used to wear a head-to-toe Burberry, that's what I was wearing in New York. Oh, nice. I wore head-to-toe Burberry, that was my look there. I used to have a red velour tracksuit. That was a, that was a good look. Um, I just yeah, I liked I like I always like clothes, like from from when I was a kid, from when yeah. it was like a like a casual and all the rest of it.
0: What's the what's the style of a casual?
2: That was like you know like a sort of 80s football hooligan.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's quite on vogue now, I'd say. Yeah,
2: it keeps coming away. Doesn't sort of hasn't gone away really, mm. has it? A timeless look. I guess it's kind of mod as well, yeah. isn't it? Like if I go back home, if I go back to the pools, so or go back to, it's like everyone still dresses like that. Now it's all like Stone Island, and mm. but when I was a kid, it was quite, it was quite experimental. It's like different looks every week. It was like a kind of golf look where you'd wear all like Pringle and Lyle and Scott, and then there was a look that was like a kind of geography teacher, a sort of corduroy jacket with. Leather arm patches. That was like a look for a while. Dungarees. Yeah, there's all these different looks.
0: Do you keep a lot of that stuff?
2: No. So you're not a...
0: Because you're such... I would describe an archivist as sort of... Not a digital hoarder, but you're a digital uh, history enthusiast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so does that yeah. not translate into things in real life? Do you keep physical objects and attach sort of... Well, because of life, because of that...
2: You know, I was off in, I was in Newcastle and then I came down to London, and then we were like we were squatting in London. Yeah,
0: you can't really have a lot of stuff. No, if you're I, could, I bouncing couldn't. Around. I just
2: had a suitcase full of stuff for years. You know, um, I'm not doing my job here. i was, I've, I've stopped. That's okay. You is can. That, miss, is that you enough? Can just
0: chat. That's plenty. Yeah, that's yeah? plenty. But I'm and constant. then start another
2: one. What? Look at that bloody worm! Oh, like here. Oh, that's massive. Crazy. Oh, yeah.
0: Crazy one. Um, They're yeah. beautiful, aren't they? They're I insane. I the they move. I don't know what that part is about. Yeah, I never know what that part's about.
2: It's like a... A jacket. Sort of per- polo yeah. neck, isn't it? Like a turtle neck.
0: <laughs> it's his look.
2: It's his look. It's on his way to New it's York. God. See, we noticed him. See? <laughs> it's effective.
0: Um, yes, that is plenty deep enough.
2: Okay. Is that more like composty there?
0: So what is... is this stuff on the top is... I don't know what... It's
2: manure. Manure? Really? All right, great. Yeah, it's manure. My agent didn't mention <laughs> manure. I'm a big TikTok fan, actually. I mean, I feel a bit weird about it because I'm just lurking. I mean, I don't... You don't post? I don't post my dance routines on TikTok. But, um But I do... I mean I sort of get I get it second hand, I get I usually get it through Twitter.
0: That's me too. Yeah,
2: so that's, that's uh, so I'm not I'm not really I don't really browse it but I'll get, I'll go and look at some of that I've been alerted to on Twitter.
0: Mm. But it's I think it's interesting for someone whose work is so often nostalgic and celebrating movements of the past, you don't seem to have any I don't know, reluctance to adopt contemporary world that we live in you
1: know
2: well that's because i think the contemporary is nostalgic uh, or nostalgia is a big part of the contemporary condition now there's like big 20-year cycles but then there's little cycles you know within those cycles you know that some of it's coming from a kind of a, a, a want or a need to understand the past or to kind of or to measure the past against the present but it's also kind of, it's also algorithmic, you know, it's been produced, you know, nostalgia gets, so it's not that I'm nostalgic, it's just, I just think that I make work about that because that's how it just feels to be alive now, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that's the kind of contemporary condition, like I say, is no, just... nostalgic, even like an idea of the future is kind of like sort of retro isn't it so I'm, I'm off on one Gone, on, yes gone.
0: well I was just going to say I was listening to a, a podcast a football podcast that I like and they were talking about kit cycles yeah in football kits yeah and how there's so many now right and how it's hard for kits to become iconic because they don't play long enough in them so you don't get you know like multiple seasons where you see your team win in a certain strip or whatever because there's, yeah. there's two per season away and home or whatever it is yeah and they were talking about that and they were talking similarly um, about money, obviously, and how like making these like retro-looking kits makes companies big bucks. Yeah. But also they were saying that people seem to like them because they tap into a time and they evoke a feeling of a time when football was felt a bit more real. Yes. And more tangible. And I think exactly. that is so applicable across yeah, everything. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, People look back on... 90s rave because uh, with this like fond nostalgia or whatever because it was when music and community and yeah looseness yeah. felt more real now everything is layered in this yeah exactly weird sheen
2: yeah definitely
0: it's interesting but you you definitely like at least in your NTS show like musically certainly you play a lot of musicians who make use of like really contemporary futuristic sounds like people like 454 or Teaser Korean like musicians who do mad manipulation on their vocals and, yeah.
1: like, <laughs>
0: and it sounds like it could only be made now or in five ten years yeah. time so I think it's like it's not just it's not just nostalgia because it's the time like you do also tap into con- stuff that could only be now yeah and to me at least that kind of music is not nostalgic
2: no not at all well mate I don't know and
0: maybe, 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 yeah, maybe, it's maybe to it is it's
2: the contradiction in all of this is uh, you know, when people hark back to rave or they hark back to like the casuals or whatever, mm. those movements, those, those, those subcultures, you know, they were, they were forward facing, they were like trying to represent this, this, you know, how the world feels at that moment. That's what I've always liked about music mm. and fashion. Mm. I mean, I listen to a lot of music from the past, but I don't like music that harks back, that's made now that harks back. I feel exactly to the same. Past. I'm not really interested in that. And I think, also, I think that the music that's coming out of like SoundCloud or all the rest of it is just so fucking strange and wonderful and bizarre. <laughs> I, I get very excited about that. What I like about music or like about pop music is when you take the form, when you take the structure of it, and you fuck about with it, and you break it. You break the pattern, and that's what, that 's what 's always thrilled me. I can only go to the edge of noise music. I like my music, kind of poppy, but when you introduce noise into pop and start to like break pop with that that's when that 's when I really like it totally you know and that 's what all those musicians are doing it's just and it is i don't know I, I, I find it kind of weird that it's not more acknowledged that. You know, there's this idea that the past was like a, I mean, it's always the way, but you know, the music hasn't moved on since.
0: But it has so much. But it has,
2: you know, it, it has. It and has this so idea much. that it's, yeah.
0: People are very dismissive. Yeah, I think so. Of that new
2: music, I think. Although so. well, they're just not even, I don't know. They'd rather wallow in their own kind of like, nostalgia, you know, back to nostalgia. Yeah.
0: People I think as well can be dismissive of music that's made electronically
2: yeah and there's that exactly oh i did that i went the wrong way yeah so exactly. oh, it doesn't matter it doesn't
0: matter if you go on the other side um all right so i've managed to do six holes on my row mark's done about two 2.5 <laughs> <laughs> so four more to go before we get to the fun part really yeah the next part this is probably the longest bit the, the digging of the holes and then right and then we bedding in the potatoes
2: The digging the holes is fun. It's I'm just it's just it's just because I'm talking. I can't multitask. It's fine,
0: that's, that's what you're here. Well, I am enjoying
2: digging the holes. I could I could do that. <laughs> that's for, good. for quite a all day maybe. Okay, that's good. <laughs> what kind of music do you have on at home? I do the show every month, and then sometimes I will be it'll combine with whatever I'm doing, making making artwork. I made a piece last year that was about Byzantine iconography. <laughs> Wow. And so, I, you know, I'd I'd, I'd start listening to some Gregorian chants. I like pop, but I also like the esoteric. I make a compilation that I call Joy. What have I got on that? Fleetwood Mac. Some old uh, (laughs) ragger, Tiger. I like the late 70s. When you're getting into sort of post-punk, I like that stuff a lot. Early 80s, late 70s. I think around 69, 70 as well. very early 70s there's loads of amazing stuff I like doo-wop I love doo-wop I love doo-wop so I listen to a lot of doo-wop so I'm I've got very 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 Catholic tastes so a little bit too much I like I like um, I like musical theatre as well I listen to that I love I love a good witty um, music a bit of music theatre so I listen to like you know I've got like a couple of songs from Matilda I listen to the new one yeah I love so it so good it's great so yeah any any anything that's kind of smart I think I guess mm. that's what I'm looking for
0: I like music where it's trying that's like my sort of main thing I, I like it when people really give it a good go
2: yeah
0: yeah and, but, and I don't know I can listen to something that maybe isn't a genre I love but if someone's really I don't know putting yeah. it all in it I feel it yeah I exactly. feel that as well with, uh, with musical theatre
2: Yeah. Did you ever
0: dabble?
2: In musical... I can't... I can't... Like I say, I'm not musical. I can't... Can you act? I did go to, like, night classes and and learn to act, but I was very... I was quite troubled, and I I kind of, um... I overdid it. (laughs) 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 And then I could never go back.
0: Uh Uh-oh. Do I I want to push you on the story? No. No? Let let, let that one go there. (laughs)
2: it was well it was just it was it was very cliched all the other people on the on on there were very nice and middle class and i was a very angry northerner with a big chip on his shoulder and basically i had an opportunity to kind of act out that and i sort of <laughs> i, I it, the the line between art and reality was blurred let's say that and I didn't go back. Got it. Got it, was, it. I mean, it's intense acting. I'd love to do it. It's very intense. Um, i just looking for
0: our bag of compost. Here it is.
2: Right, I'll pour this in.
0: Put some compost in here, like that. Yeah. Get it up to about there. Oh, okay. God, they are very deep holes. Well done.
2: Are they? Yeah, well they, done. Are they too deep? A little bit, but it's oh, okay. <laughs> not
0: We top oh, them up with the compost. It's better that they're too deep than too shallow. I down. could have kept
2: going. Did you have a happy time at art school? Um. No, not, no. I mean, I had a happy time in terms of, like, friendships. And I left in 1990 and I'm still friends with... A lot. I've got a friend here, actually, Lucy Rainbow, who lives in Walthamstow. She, she was on the course with me. Oh, yeah? So, uh, yeah, in terms of f- friendships, yeah, I had a happy time. In terms of... I found it very frustrating. I went to Newcastle Polytechnic and... The art course then was mainly people from sort of the home counties down south who didn't want to go to London. And I don't know, for whatever reason, didn't go to, couldn't quite get as far as Edinburgh. And when we started there, everyone was just, it was it was, it was, quite, it was quite crusty. Yeah, it was quite, it was quite hippie, mm. kind of crusty vibe there. And then in the second year, they introduced critical theory, which is like, at that time, was like Foucault and Roland Barthes and sort of French, yeah, French um, philosophy, um, which, is, which is incredibly difficult. And most of the people, including me, I hadn't really... I, you know, we didn't... I didn't have a lot of books when I grew up. I'd read, like, Lord of the Rings, that was about it and some Wilbur Smith (laughs) and then suddenly you had to read this very difficult, quite obscure, these quite obscure texts and it just became a real struggle. Mm, And at the end of art school I just thought I can't I can't grasp this stuff, I can't I can't understand it. And and I left art school thinking I wasn't intellectually enough to be an artist essentially. So that's why I didn't make art for like ten years after leaving art school because I just thought I I thought I didn't have I didn't you know I, I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't clever enough that's what I thought mm. I think I need some more compost in <laughs>
0: this, this one's
2: this one's a bit underwhelmed use a bit, use a bit of this oh yeah just put that in okay put great put a bit of that in the, okay. the,
0: the idea behind the compost is basically it it stops it from um, Okay. It, it provides a little bed for bacteria, right. basically, so that if, it, if there's anything in this soil... yeah. So now I'll just top that up a little okay. bit more, because
2: there's a bag. Can if I ask, why, why, why do the potatoes look so... Old. Old, yeah. Because they've chitted. What, chitted? Chitted. Oh, go on, what does that mean? So
0: when you put a potato... The way you grow potatoes... Yeah. So this is just a normal potato that you would eat. Yeah. You put it in the cupboard or somewhere where yeah. it's dark, and these little sprouts, which are called chits, yeah. come off it, and then these chits go on... To, to we bury the potato and these chips will become sprouts that will then sprout off other potatoes
2: right basically. okay
0: so when you plant now you're ready to plant your potato
2: so they form like a like a like a rhizome or whatever under there exactly okay a network right, okay. of potatoes uh, oh that's I why didn't this know is that.
0: this is my favorite job to do okay because it's it's quite i feel quite magical yeah um, amazing so you put the potato in you've put your so now we've, I'll just say for the benefit of the listeners, we've dug our holes, our, yes. six, our 12 holes, two yes. rows of six, and they're looking gorgeous in a, pretty much a straight line. Yeah. And now we've topped up the hole a bit with some, some fresh compost. And then what we do is we place the potato in the middle, chit up like that. And if there's multiple chits like this, you can yeah. put it so that just as many as possible are coming up. Because what that will do is you'll just get more potatoes basically more sprouts. Okay. Then we're going to get a bit more compost and bury it and we're just going to get it to the ground level with the compost. All right. And then I'm going to ridge it up with a hake. I mean a rake.
2: A (laughs) hake with a fish. (laughs)
0: With a (laughs) fish. In an experimental new gardening technique from Norway.
2: Great, yeah. Um, Can I start chitting up?
0: Yeah, you put them all in.
2: Oh, grand.
0: I would love to hear a bit more about Music and Video Lab and, and what that was and...
2: Okay. How it went?
0: So you were saying you didn't call it an art school.
2: Yeah. So the idea was to, was to. Um...
0: I mean, the well, thinking
2: was that if you I'll do it this if you mention art, then you you potentially create this kind of barrier uh, mm-hmm. where people think that art isn't for them. Um, um people find art intimidating or think it's not, you know, it's not, um, you know, it's a preserve of the middle classes. It's like a, it's not, it's not for, you know, you need, you need to be educated, you need to be knowledgeable, you need to be, um, you know, intellectually engaged or whatever before you can kind of go near art. I think a lot of people, Even when you get to art school, people are intimidated. I'm still intimidated by art. I think people are at the very um, bottom of it are kind of terrified about revealing something about themselves Mm. because there's no, there's nothing factual about art. It's all made up.
0: That's quite terrifying, actually, <laughs> you know to what think I mean? about. It. As someone so, who's not an artist, I, w- so, I would find that a barrier to entry. Yeah,
2: exactly. So it's like nobody knows, ultimately.
0: You never know if you're getting it right. Yeah, and so the, the
2: knowledge about art becomes, because it's it's kind of unknowable, it becomes very esoteric and sort of guarded and, and um, gnostic. I'll throw that word in for round know, the potatoes. Very nice, very nice. Um,
0: very and uh, you
2: know, and it, it's it's you know, it's basically kind of like a priesthood. That that um. That establish what is art and what's not art, mm. and so it does feel very. It feels very. Even when you're in, like I say, in the midst of it, it can feel beyond you or kind of not open to you. Did you and,
0: first... then, and then that's
2: multiplied by if your if your background has got nothing, you know, got no experience of art whatsoever. That's that's multiply, multiplied tenfold. Now I'm getting really wet, proper yeah, wet. Oh, is it? Has it been like this all well, the time?
0: It's absolutely pouring.
2: But that means the potatoes will grow quicker, right? Po-
0: oh, absolutely, yeah, it's great. It's and this is, this is the realities of, a, of allotment life. Yeah, is that you have to come rain or shine and, and get it done because the potatoes
2: won't wait. But it's got very wet, very quick. I was, we were basically really enjoying. well I was really enjoying. Um, the whole process, and then and then it just got, uh, and you can't even hold the umbrella now, right? It, just, sh-
0: it became a bit untenable, didn't it? Yeah, it's a it's a slightly flawed interview um, <laughs> concept.
2: Can I do a bit of Would raking? Would you like to? I'd love to, to do a bit of raking. Go for it. Uh, go on, so what ma- you want to do? Yeah,
0: is sort of aim the rake in the middle of these two ridges. So, this is the line of the potatoes, and you're trying to pull a mountain to the top there Oh, I see. Yeah, it. all right. We're making so like, a,
2: like a not a furrow, the opposite, like a yeah. Reach. And yeah.
0: the technique is whack it. Oh
2: right. Yeah, bang
0: bang, oh, and I'll then pull it up.
2: I've got my eyes
0: exactly, exactly. Oh, perfect. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark, thank you so much for coming to the allotment today. These ridges are beautiful. And the potatoes will grow so happily
2: underneath them. I was good. No, it was great. It was good. I mean, yeah, I'm very proud. I'm taking. I'm taking a photograph now. Oh, in the photograph though, it just looks like a grave. (laughs)
0: That's the thing with the allotment. It never. Also, even if it doesn't look like a grave, it just looks like earth.
2: It just looks like (laughs) earth. Yeah, you don't. You don't recognise the labour that's gone into it, do you? you?
0: Really don't. Thank you for listening to Digging. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us on the podcast app that you're using. It really helps more people to discover the pod. To stay up to date with new episodes, you can also subscribe to get the newest episode in your podcast feed straight away. Digging is an NTS podcast hosted by me, Flo Dill. It was produced by Lizzie King with editing by Sam Stone, sound recording by Rory Bowens and mastering by Felix Stock. Our intro music is by the amazing Cleaners from Venus and special thanks on this episode going to Demetrius Melonis. This podcast was made possible thanks to NTS supporters. Become a supporter today for access to additional podcast content, live track lists when listening to NTS radio, access to supporter-only Discord and newsletter and store discount. Fifty percent of supporter proceeds go direct to NTS resident DJs. Find out more at nts.live/supporters.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.